What's up, star seeds, angels, humans, and the beings? Welcome to the Dirty Goddess Podcast. I'm your host, Solange Beck. Thank you all so much for tuning in today as we explore, debunk, and redefine purity. Today's episode, we go into part two of Dylan says, you have to do the dishes, and I'm hoping last week you followed his advice. To give some context, I split Dylan's episode in two because rather than ask him the Dirty Goddess question on his purification process, I asked him to share his very brainy thoughts on where our modern understanding of purity originated. And of course, the conversation linked itself back to colonialism. And I often tell Dylan that he reminds me of the meme of the stick figure guy who's standing in the corner of a party with the thought bubble. They don't know it yet, but I'm going to ruin this party by talking about colonialism. <laughs> so without giving any more away, here's part two. I'm going to um, bring it back to what you love. We're going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole because my question usually is, I call it the dirty goddess question, which is what's been the purification process for you of coming to terms with self. But I'm going to switch it up a little bit for you because I know you want to talk about purity and colonialism because <laughs> you're the stick figure in the meme who's who's plotting <laughs> in the corner to say I'm gonna ruin this party yeah, but <laughs> right exactly nobody knows but yeah um and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it there and I'm gonna let you decide on where you want to start on that rabbit hole because I right. know you've been kind of thinking about it so purity is such a complicated topic and and it's interesting like this idea of reclaiming our purity or finding a way to like um to redeem it in a way it it it's so tied up i I can't like separate it from like the euro western christian colonial project because that project is so tied up in notions of purity and corruption Mm. and that's the nature of i mean we are you know, for better or for worse, we are a Christian nation. And so much of our intellectual baggage comes from that tradition. Mm -hmm. But it's the same in a lot of places, right? The Muslim world suffers from the same problematic um, dialectic between um, purity and corruption. Judaism suffers from the same problematic. And so I was listening to uh, a talk by Wole Shoyinko, a Nigerian playwright and author, um, brilliant, brilliant guy the other day. And he was talking about the, the danger of religious movements um, mm-hmm. and, and the importance of distinguishing right between spirituality and religion. Like, I'm a very spiritual yes, person. Yes. I, I do use the word God because it's shorthand for what I'm talking about. Right. But I understand that all language which seeks to approach the divine is only going mm-hmm. to be an approximation. It's never going to fully encapsulate mm-hmm. something that is beyond ability of human speech to describe yeah so every religious you know approach is just that it's a way of approaching the divine it's a way of attempting to to interact with the divine they're all imperfect right mm-hmm. um not to say that one should not strive to make that connection but anyway the um what he was saying was 
there, the danger nowadays of religious fanaticism in particular is that it is so caught up in that binary between purity and corruption that all they really want, and, and this goes for radical Christians in the U.S., it goes for radical Muslims in, in places, you know, organizations like Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda, um, ISIS, it, it goes for, you know, the radical sects of pretty much every religion. They rely on a return of a divine being or Mm -hmm. an apocalyptic event in Mm. order to bring about like the pure state right Right. the quote-unquote pure world that the world that we are in is by its nature corrupted Mm -hmm. the divine is in its nature pure Mm -hmm. and at some point this world has to succumb to that one right and because of that they will sacrifice Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. in this world including Mm -hmm. you know people resources the planet whatever and and one could easily make the argument of course that that you know, free market capitalism in its extreme articulation is the same sort of blind devotion to, Mm -hmm. you know, a a bringing about of some, like, ethereal, perfect world, you know, and and we'll sacrifice anything we have to in order to get there, including all the things Mm -hmm. that allow capital to to build, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Right. And all, yeah. So anyway, so... So again, as an indigenous person, as a member, you know, a citizen of, of an American Indian tribe who is always self-conceived as native and always self-conceived in a way as, you know, living in a colonized space and being an unwelcome guest in my own home, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the wonderful thing about Indians, <laughs> the Indian problem, right, as it's articulated by the government at various times, is that Indians remain Indians. Mm-hmm. Like, they refuse to not be native. Right. Um, and what that means is following a different, different map of the mind, a different way of orienting oneself in the world, and refusing to go along with the dominant map of the mind, the dominant way of orienting oneself in the world, just because mm-hmm. it's convenient. Because mm-hmm. it is, in many ways, convenient. Yeah. It's also very destructive. Um, So anyway, so as someone who's always identified in that space of like, I know that I'm indigenous. I know that my indigeneity is a problem to the world around me and that it would rather that I just go away Mm -hmm. because my very existence proves that your narrative is not convincing. Right. Right. That like the narrative of like you bringing the light of God and the purity <laughs> of, you know, your systems and all these things, right? That you, you imposing, um, the order and the, the, I don't know how to say, like you imposing structure and society, quote unquote, on the mess of nature, right? right. So this is the other thing is that there's this weird tension between on the one hand in our thought systems we say the world is corrupt god is divine but we also say man brings order Mm -hmm. and nature is dirty right Mm -hmm. or or Mm -hmm. unkempt Mm -hmm. it's this I don't know. It's a very, it, like, It purity. never made sense to me because yeah. I was like, well, didn't God create? Right. Like, which is it? You know? But yeah. 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 So, like, purity becomes this very problematic 
prism through which to view things. Mm-hmm. And, and so, of course, that's what, you know, this podcast, I think, is pushing back against is saying, like, you know, how do we embrace purity as a form of connection, a, a um, conversation with a divine source, a essence within ourselves that is both innately human and very much more than human. Yeah. You know, it's this way of like, how do we transcend again? How do we transcend the boundaries of self as mm-hmm. they've been articulated within these dominant systems mm-hmm. in order to reconnect with a bigger, you know, more capable, um, more effective, you know, humanity. Yeah. And yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, Um, because listening to everybody um, and even on myself hearing people talk about the ways in which they have chosen to embrace themselves and Mm -hmm. accept themselves and their stories their narratives their past their journeys like everything um, and to find ways in which to liberate and expand and be outside of their body and while simultaneously being very present with their body right right, is the pushback yeah (laughs) this is the revolution (laughs) but you know that is really what it is Mm -hmm. is to say like if we're going to say that god or source created the world in which we live in nature and that god or source moves within us lives within us then our natural state is pure. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we are all already pure, right? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. So, or also we are all already messy. Right. You know. And who's to say like is messy not pure? Like why? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, well, that's the thing, yeah. right? It's this artificial dialectic, and that's what we always do. Like we set things up between, you know, it has to be either this or that. And everything is a spectrum. And it's funny to see in some ways, you know, the ways in which younger generations are like sort of as default, like their default setting is that they recognize a spectrum. Yeah. And the older generations, their default setting is that they have to have things be either or. And mm-hmm. just the basic miscommunications that happen, <laughs> you know, because one generation doesn't understand that I'm again, like the intellectual to posture of the other. I'm still trying to explain to my dad how non-binary, no, actually I'm explaining it to both my parents, how non-binary is not a third Right. Gender, yes. yeah. it is an opting out of yeah. gender, and they're mm-hmm. like, I don't get it. I didn't think that there's there's no choice, and I'm like, there. <sighs> my mom's like, well, I have boobs, I don't have a choice. I'm like, no, you do. I don't. Oh my no. god. <laughs> but again, like, there, yeah, there's just so many complexities, right? Like, yeah. gender is a spectrum, sexuality is a spectrum. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's a lot, and and there is a tendency, I think. Uh, because we have this this need to put things in boxes, there is a tendency to just create another box. Right, you know? and that's and, been the and trouble. That's what we're trying to fight against. Mm-hmm. Hence, this like constant like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. well, I'm not really like now. I have to find a new category for my. I have to find a new, 
you know, definition of myself because you've made that definition too rigid. Right. And I don't want to be rigid. Well, that's the, been the ironic thing for me is I'm like, well, I really wanted to change my pronouns actually to they, them. And then I like notice how the world is functioning with they, them. And I don't like that either. And so right. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just make up my own fucking pronouns. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Done with this. I joked on when we were on, I was doing grad school by zoom so everybody has like their their screen name and many of them have their chosen pronouns afterward and I, I for some reason it just struck me that like mine should probably be is and sometimes yeah. <laughs> that's awesome like that's like that's the best i can do for like what works you know like dylan is dylan is sometimes dylan sometimes <laughs> Dylan sometimes. <laughs> Dylan sometimes. Yeah. Um, all right. But, well, so, I, oh. but I, I want to like, I want to tease this out a little bit more because, okay. um, and you know, of course, like this is going to have to be cut down for editing because I've talked too much. But, um, so I, I've been thinking about this a bunch, and you know, like the free sex or the free love movement of the '60s, right? Like you were just talking about how we're striving to like reconnect ourselves and like find ways to express ourselves more wholly Mm -hmm. and transcend the boundaries of the self but also be deeply rooted in the self Mm -hmm. so like the free love movement of the 60s and 70s was very much the same thing and i think it's Mm -hmm. no accident that in in a a christian you know euro western nation state our first impulse when we are seeking to escape the rigid boundaries of a colonial capitalist system Mm -hmm. our first impulse is to say i'm going to take control of my sexuality and practice it how i want Mm -hmm. and use that as an act of liberation right right? because there are all these strictures around um self and and the interaction of self in in the sexual field Mm -hmm. um around the notion of purity and, and and corruption so but i think the Okay, so I have a baby at home, right? She's mm-hmm. she's be seven months old in a couple of days, with Layla, and we read a lot of Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Mm. So if there are any parents out there, like you <laughs> know this book, like the book is Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see? And then Brown Bear tells you what he sees, and it goes through this series of animals that you say like, what do you see? And they see this other thing, and then what does that thing see? And then the end of it is, you know. The, the goldfish in the classroom seeing the teacher and then the teacher in the classroom seeing the students. I'm fascinated by this book, especially <laughs> because of its like widespread love in mm. the world. Mm. Like every, every parent I know mm. like has this book, their child loves this book. It's the book they come back to over and over and over again. Mm. What this book is, is a shorthand for multi-perspectivism. Mm. So what I mean by that is multi-perspectivism is simply recognizing that every subjective positionality has a perspective on the world and that that perspective deserves regard and consideration. Yes. And it is just the same as yours. Mm -hmm. And this is true for every human being and it's also true beyond the human, right? Right. Every, you know, horse, bear, Mm -hmm. cat, bird river mm-hmm. rock formation mm-hmm. weather pattern like they are all human in yeah. the sense that they all have their own positionality their own subjective position their own perspective their own importance their own worth and when we start to recognize all of those positionalities as meaningful valid valuable necessary 
we change what it means to be human. Yeah. And what we think of, we often talk about this as an anthropomorphization of the natural, right? Like thinking that, you know, treating your dog like a person is anthropomorphizing the, the dog. It's giving the dog human qualities. <laughs> but that's not really what it is. Right. What it is is expanding the category of the human mm. to include more than just us, right? Mm-hmm. More than just bipedal homo sapiens sapiens. Right. So um, when you do that, when you expand the realm of the human and you allow everything to be a part of human being it changes what being human is Mm. so that's what i mean by like the different the different way of operating in the world that is characteristic of indigenous cultures versus euro western colonial cultures the basic difference is a recognition of the responsibility toward all those positionalities in the indigenous societies and a disregard for all those positionalities in the colonial perspective right it is mm-hmm. it is ego it is edging god out right? <laughs> yeah like yeah. in its in its like grand scale mm-hmm. so for me what i find well, i've been thinking about this the last few days and what i've realized is even even when i was not very sexually active i i still made out a lot like again i'm still very good looking i still had <laughs> like suitors i just wouldn't sleep with them i wouldn't mm-hmm. have sex with them mm-hmm. not to say that i wouldn't be sexual with them mm-hmm. right um, got very good at foreplay. Like that's you know lovely. <laughs> like I'm I'm totally fine with that most of the time. Like I really just want to make out. Um, but when when you are intimate with someone and you are focused on what feels good to them, you know, mm-hmm. when you're focused on getting that other person to climax, right? You are you are considering the positionality of that person in yeah, a different way yeah. and you're you're allowing yourself escape from yourself mm-hmm. in order to sort of occupy that place mm. and there's Which a, takes a lot of responsibility it takes a lot of responsibility it takes a lot of like paying attention yeah you know but it is this very metaphysical act of you know communing with a world larger than ourselves and escaping the boundaries of ourselves so I think that's why I said earlier, you know, I need to have a spiritual experience. You don't necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, but that's my, my spiritual experience is being responsible to aware of, you know, in tune with what mm-hmm. to whatever degree I can, mm-hmm. your subjective position. Yeah. And, and no, you know, getting some, some freedom from mine. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I know the world from my perspective. And, mm. you know, like, I can't mm. I can't know the world fully until I until. also know it from other perspectives. Yes. You know, and what a beautiful opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> I really appreciate that. This is like really blowing my mind right now. I'm like, <laughs> OK, <laughs> take it. Um, I'm like, wow, I need to be a far more involved partner. Okay. <laughs> we don't have, no. But again, it's all about what you're, you know, like everybody, you know, and I'm all for like people being there for the thing that they need, you know. Yeah. But yeah. this is a way to think about the responsibility toward whoever you're engaging with. Yeah. You know, in a way that, that I think is is like constructive, healthy, and also revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the you know let's upset the, the discrete systems of capitalism and colonialism. And right. Yeah. Right. Let's be more indigenous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs>
<laughs> also, probably no accident that a lot of those cultures are matriarchal and matrilocal, right? Right. Like, it, those systems work better if women are in charge of the household and if women are saying, like, who their partner is. Mm-hmm. I remember reading there's this tribe in central Mexico somewhere where they're metrolineal, matrilocal, and so the women will choose their husbands, and the way it works is the men in her family will go get that man bring him to her they spend the night together and then if he doesn't want to marry her he has to leave the village the next morning oh my like, g- he has he yeah. has to leave he has to leave it's wow. like you know you've been chosen for this role this is the role you're going to play like do you want to play that role no, no then like you leave. can't be here because yeah. that's going to upset the balance okay <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, just a side. I have lots of side notes about like better ways to organize societies around gender relationships. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely one of them. That's like make women them. in charge of more stuff. <laughs> I agree. I mean, Finland seems like they're doing really well. So yeah. Well, lots of cultures know. are. You know, the uh, Rahova, the very briefly lived uh, Free Kurdish state in Syria, um, practice a form of democratic confederalism, which. Uh, is similar to what the Zapatistas do in, in Chiapas in Mexico, but like the, the most democratic societies in the world, I would say, are the ones who strive for, at the very least, an equal balance of power in their societal structures between the genders. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Yeah. There, was a, there was a trade um, agreement that happened in the early days the Cherokee traded in the southeastern United States. We're trading with the English before there was a United States, so we actually fought for the English during the Revolutionary War. We have mm-hmm. a long history of fighting on the wrong side of every war in America. Um, it's kind of a miracle we didn't go to Vietnam and fight for the Vietnamese. But, um, <laughs> but we, it, there was a trade relationship with the English, and one of the meetings that they had, I think it was in Georgia, when the English delegation showed up to meet with the Cherokees, the Cherokees were very reticent and wouldn't, solve, wouldn't sign the treaty that, that they had been working on for like ever, for mm. like a year. Um, and finally, the English were like, what's the deal? Like, why are you not? Like, we've, we've talked about all this stuff. We've worked out all this stuff. And the, and the Cherokee said, all of our wives are right here. Like, yeah. they know what we're doing. Yeah. Where are your women? Well, right. Like, this is an all-male delegation. How can you pretend that you're speaking for your community when mm. half of you aren't here? Mm. You know? And for the Western perspective, it was just like, what? what? Like, yeah. you want us to, like... You think our wives have to be here to sign off on this? They're and they were like, yeah. They're <laughs> like, how in the world would you take this home to your community? Right. You can't. You can't implement this if your women aren't on board, right? <laughs> like, right? Isn't that how things work? Right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Oh well, maybe that's a good segue in to just our last little segment of words of wisdom and love that you would like to share with li- listeners. Mm. Mm. Well, involve everyone. Man, yeah, (laughs) seriously. Um, I don't want it to seem like my my reliance on God, as I understand God, is what everyone needs, right? But I do believe that every single face of creation is divine is imbued with the same perfect creative spirit as everything else. And that reality, the reality of your divine essence, is undeniable for me. So however you find is appropriate for you to approach, embrace, 
and rely on that very basic part of your composition, you know, go for it. Like that's, you know, we all have to find that mm. in, in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that people feel free to do that regardless of the limitations and the failings of previous approaches. Right. Right. Um, so that's one. The other is recognizing that being of service is is not diminishing of you. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like we were talking about whether or not I have it in me to give as much as I give today. And part of the, the reason it works for me is because I don't, it's usually not giving, right? Like I do acts of service selfishly, Yeah. you know, (laughs) like my, my neighbor, my elderly neighbors have COVID and we got a big snowstorm. So I went and shoveled their walk and driveway Mm -hmm. yesterday morning before I came to work. Like that's just a good thing to do. It needed doing, but, and I'm sure, you know, you could look at that and say like, Oh, what a, you know, what a gracious thing or like what a what a giving thing it's like I didn't do it for them Mm. I did it for me like if I hadn't done that I wouldn't have felt as good Mm. you know the rest of the day Mm -hmm. like I felt great the rest of the day yeah you know my back hurt but like I felt great yeah um I did that for me so find ways to engage in acts of service for yourself like do it because it's good for you. Don't, yeah. don't do it because you want the accolades. And of course, you know, I just said this so that you all can shower me with praise. Like <laughs> don't do it for the praise, you know, do, do good acts when no one is looking. Right. And of course that segues nicely into the bedroom. Like mm-hmm. no one else, you know, unless you're into this kind of thing, no one else sees you being intimate with other people. Like mm. that is your, time and that is your space so other people's expectations or you know desires or or hang-ups like they don't matter (laughs) you know they just don't they're not in the room like don't let those things be in the room with you right be in the room with the person that you're with be you know mindful careful respectful of their positionality and and do together what you've come there to do. And if that's to, to have a transcendent spiritual experience, good. If that's just to like get good and sweaty and like <laughs> work it out, mm. good. You know, like be with that person and, and do what you're there together to do. You know, don't let society, don't let like, don't let the fact that your parents don't understand the, <laughs> the complexities of gender and sexuality yeah, on yeah. a spectrum, like <laughs> keep you from variously being, you know, different levels of masculine and feminine, depending Absolutely. on the, on the moment and the need, Absolutely. you know, like sometimes I need to be very feminine and mm-hmm. like, sometimes I need to be very masculine That's like, right. and I kind of want the same for my partner. I think most of us do like, yeah. nobody wants to be in the same role all the time. You know, like yeah. I, I'm in charge at work. Like, Sometimes I don't want to make decisions when I get home. Like, just tell me what you want from me. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. And if I thought about my parents every time I was, like, recording or working Mm -hmm. on this project, I probably would stop doing it. Yeah, exactly. They're in the room too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 
thank you so much, Dylan, for coming on today. <laughs> this is awesome. Of and I, I just appreciated your time so much. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Part two. Did you feel like you were back in a college anthropology lecture? I certainly did. And the nerdy, curious human in me really didn't mind. <laughs> so I genuinely hope you all enjoyed tuning in to today's episode. Dylan's reflections on being present with your partner made me think deeper on something that's been coming up a lot for me lately. And of course, it has to do with sacral energy, sacral chakra energy, and how we tend to force it. This is where we hold our creative, sexual, and also our self-worthiness energy. As someone who is a creator, it can be really easy to find myself in situations of forcing my creativity. And as someone who enjoys having sex and takes part in sexual activities, I also experience forcing my sexual energy. And it can be exhausting. And I bring this up because once we force our creative and sexual energy, our self-worthiness begins to dwindle. Uh, we're no longer taking part in pleasurable activities for ourselves, and as Dylan mentions, our acts of service are no longer beneficial to our well-being. They're no longer beneficial also to the people around us. So when we force these activities, we're just doing a disservice to ourselves and others. So this is a friend-to-friend -friend reminder to use your throat chakra. Yes, I said throat chakra this time. To say, no, I don't have the energy for this today or right now or anymore, even if I'm currently partaking in it. You can also choose to go into hermit mode, take some time for yourself. So if you're having a hard time giving yourself the permission, here, I'll give it to you. Take that for yourself. Take time for yourself because you're worthy okay i'm done that was my lecture for today so if you felt like you learned or gained something <laughs> by tuning into today's episode like learning something about being present with your partner that's always really nice or taking part in acts of service or you really enjoyed breaking down colonialism and purity like i did please give the podcast a good rating share it with your friend or a couple of friends write a nice review and remember to follow the podcast on all the socials at dirty Goddicks on instagram and twitter that's all i've got for this week's star seeds next week we invite on the lovely delightful rama orleans Lindsay to discuss tantric sex i'm not gonna say anymore if you're wondering what the heck tantric sex is go ahead and google it otherwise stay curious for next week's episode okay lovelies peace and stay free